Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. While most eyes have been on Afghanistan lately, it is her neighbor to the west which concerns Israel on several fronts. The nuclear project, the military presence in Syria by its own Quds force as well as proxies and militias, its precision munitions supplied to Hezbollah in Lebanon, and the maritime blows it absorbs and tries to land. This was a major topic in Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's meeting with President Joe Biden last week as Israel is trying to shore up a global coalition against Iranian action. How successful is it so far? To further analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by Ambassador Dania Yalon, who is co-host of TV7's Middle East Review and Israel's former ambassador to the United States and deputy foreign minister, as well as a lecturer at NYU. Thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure, Jonathan. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Uzi Arad, who is Israel's former uh, national security advisor and a Mossad division chief. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of the current situation in which Israel is proactively trying to garner international support, at least recognition of the need to act uh, from the international community. How is this going for Israel at this stage? So while um, our uh, two distinguished panel members are from central Israel, Israel is not central to this uh, effort. And um, Prime Minister Bennett uh, was uh, sober enough to recognize that when uh, he met with uh, President Biden and he noted that uh, only American leadership can uh, make this uh, anti-Iranian coalition uh, fruitful and uh, effective. Israel um, on its own will not be powerful enough to block the uh, Iranian nuclear project, and it will be too costly for Israel if um, it uh, decided that uh, the time is opportune to strike on its own. And therefore, the conclusion, uh, which is not original, it goes back at least to uh, Prime Minister Sharon's time, uh, almost uh, 20 years ago, is that uh, Israel has a stake in convincing the European powers and the United States and perhaps uh, other uh, powers. We know that China and Russia, of course, are part of the group um, which negotiated with Iran and uh, finalized the 2015 a joint comprehensive uh, plan of action. Uh, at the same time, Israel uh, is signaling that uh, if uh, it does not get its wish diplomatically, it will act in another fashion. And uh, Biden um, went halfway towards Bennett in the conversation. He didn't threaten Iran. He only said that if diplomacy fails, and it is diplomacy first, then he will consider other options. He will not undertake necessarily uh, a military option. It is not all options of the ta- on the table, as was the cliche. He will consider other options. The cliche 
stated repeatedly by his previous boss, uh, of course, uh, uh, as vice president of Barack Obama, and something that consequently was also adopted by the Trump administration. But uh, it seems like the United States is quite reluctant, at this stage at least, to emphasize that all options are on the table. Why is that, Ambassador Ayalon, and what do you read into the current situation in Washington uh, from a perspective of a diplomat, if you will, at a stage when the Iranians are quite uh, re reluctant, if at all willing, to re-enter into negotiations at this stage in Vienna? Well, I do agree with Amir Oren that there is no appetite in Washington to start any other approach vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran other than the political one, which is right now uh, the one reigns uh, supreme. However, um, I would say in light or in the face of the Iranians' intransigence and uh, brinkmanship, um, the United States may have to uh, soon reconsider and uh, I believe that um, what we saw in Washington is not, it's not important to judge what Biden said on the face of it, but in relation to what has been the uh, formal and official or announced policy of the United States vis-a-vis -vis Iran until now. Until now, Biden and his administration, Blinken and all the other guys, said that the only option is the political one. It's the first time that we hear now Biden saying categorically that Iran will never have nuclear capabilities, number one. And secondly, he alludes now to other options, which again, it is not uh, uh, definite yet, but it is a slight movement towards more deterrence on Iran. And perhaps the idea is to gain uh, more cards vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran on the negotiation, which may or may not start soon in Vienna. We also have to remember, Jonathan, that the only time that the Iranians voluntarily suspended their nuclear, illegal nuclear uh, 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 project was in 2003, after the invasion of uh, the United States to its neighboring Iraq. They suspected or feared that they might be next and that shows that there is quite a rationality in Tehran, whereby the Ayatollahs uh, do fear a, uh, a military option, and they can be deterred if we play, I mean, we, the, the, the Western world, plays its cards right. Which brings uh, a question to mind with regard to the military buildup. Right now, of course, following a, uh, a global posture review that was conducted by the United States State Department as well as by the Pentagon uh, with regard to the allocation of finance and, uh, of course, placement of troops as part of this great power competition between the United States and China. Is the United States at this stage really uh, able or interested for that matter to prioritize a certain buildup of troops that would deter Iran enough uh, in order to uh, ensure that it does not pursue uh, the nuclear project to the direction of, of course, weaponizing it. Dr. Arad, how do you see that? And if the United States does not do so, where do we head from here? Well, adding, adding to what has been said thus far, I would uh, point out to the following things. Uh, the Israeli Prime Minister and his people reiterated 
their strategic conviction that what is required to stop the Iranian progress to nuclear weapons is uh, pressure, economic pressure, combined with a credible threat of military action. That formula, by the way, has been in place for almost 20 years. And indeed, it had proven its validity because the only time that the Iranians came to the negotiating table willing to halt certain of their activities was when the pressure of sanctions was severe and when it seemed as if there was the possibility of either an Israeli or possibly even American military strike. That remains the issue, and that is what Bennett is expecting to generate so as to indeed uh, make Iran not advance toward nuclear weapons. But let us concentrate on the party which is central to, to the whole exercise, and that is Iran. Because there could be two possibilities there. One is that Iran is, a, is still in the same mold or same frame of mind which suggests that they are not decided now about the need to get nuclear weapons militarily soon. And there are open-minded, therefore, in order to reduce the penalty that they are paying by the sanctions and in order to obtain other possibly foreign goals to negotiate what would give them still the option or possibly to progress even further without actually making a dash for nuclear weapons. But what we have to take into consideration that there may be some point, and we might be already there, that the Iranians, irrespective of what will be said and done by the other side, would decide that the time has come for them to materialize what they always wanted to obtain nuclear weapons. And therefore, the strategic decision that uh, both the United States, Israel and others have to make uh, has to refer to two scenarios. One, that uh, maybe they can reach certain kind of an agreement that would slow down and have uh, Iran possibly position itself at the position of a threshold nuclear state that is close, but not there yet, or the possibility that it considers the time opportune, possibly because American of a perceived American weakness, possibly because there is no credible threat of military force neither on the part of the United States, certainly not on the part of Israel, that they would consider that now is the time and sooner or later they will accelerate the process. Should that happen, then it would throw all of us onto the horns of a dilemma what to do. And it is that contingency that I suspect was also discussed between uh, the American president and Israel's prime minister. Indeed, Mr. Oren, of course, Israel is also deterred from uh, the fact that uh, there are hundreds of thousands of rockets pointed at it from its northern front. Any 
contingency plan, uh, which uh, would, of course, entail this uh, credible military threat that uh, everybody is talking about, uh, would have its dire consequences, and there will need to be taken several actions as part of this package deal, which would quite simply destabilize the entire region, something that neither the Chinese nor the Russians are keen of seeing materialize, and therefore there's some kind of leverage on those two countries. However, to what degree are those two countries involved or proactively involved in convincing the Iranians that taking this route of a nuclear weapon is not in their interest and should not happen regardless of uh, the, their future aspirations? So right now, Iran is only a sideshow with all eyes on Afghanistan and the aftermath of the American withdrawal uh, from uh, Kabul. And um, it remains to be seen whether American prestige will really suffer, as seems right now, but may change uh, over the next uh, several months, because force presence is not an asset. It's a burden. And um, curiously enough, it was the Russians or earlier the Soviets who warned the Americans that this is what is going to happen in Afghanistan because they have been there for 10 years and left leaking their wounds. And uh, the fact that the Americans are no longer there, but they have offshore power, they can strike via drones, missiles, aircraft carriers, means that they still have assets without being vulnerable to terrorist attacks. So the balance is not clear yet. It is not certain that uh, China uh, or Russia uh, will still celebrate the American withdrawal a few months from now. But for the Americans, Biden is reluctant to threaten with an empty gun. He knows that such a threat, as Uzi Arad said, will not be credible. The Iranians are not going to believe that the United States will endanger the safety of the Persian Gulf, not only the Levant. You mentioned Lebanon and the missiles there, and Israel, and perhaps Hamas joining there. But the Iranians are going to retaliate against Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and the UAE. And, and the Sixth Fleet, for that matter. No, the, the Fifth Fleet in the Bahrain fifth, or the indeed. Sixth Fleet. Yes, but this is bilateral. This is the United States versus Iran. And the United States, of course, is much more powerful. It can obliterate Iran. It will not do it because uh, there, there are 80 plus million Iranians, civilians. But the uh, soft underbelly of the Americans are the allies the vulnerable oil kingdoms and sheikdoms and what have you, and the Iranians will obviously choose a scorched earth policy. And the Americans have uh, no desire to see that. Also, Iran is far down the list of their priority problems. China was mentioned here. China can, can restart a Taiwan problem. North Korea is still there. There are many other problems on Biden's plate. Why uh, would he, all of a sudden, just to do Bennett's bidding, um, threaten Iran? So China and Russia will probably try to convince Biden to go back to the JCPOA on Iranian terms or 
to be more forthcoming uh, to uh, Iranian demands regarding sanctions relief. Sanctions not only having to do with the JCPOA. This is obvious that um, whatever was revoked will be returned. But there are other sanctions on uh, people and uh, projects having to do with the regime, which President Trump has sanctioned. And this is the main uh, point of, of discussion now between the negotiators. Ambassador Ayalon, how do you perceive this? Do, uh, do the uh, relevant officials in Jerusalem and Washington have the capacity to shore up uh, international support? Of course, we saw the E3 joint statement with regard to Iran condemning Iranian uh, advancement on the 20% uh, enriched uh, uh, uranium metal, for that matter, and then the 60% enriched uranium, something that, of course, was unprecedented. And the International Atomic Energy Agency has raised the alarm about this, uh, something that, surprisingly, or maybe not, the Russians then came and supported the rebuke of Iran, saying that Iran should return to the negotiating table in Vienna. Do we see a certain shift within the cooperation between those countries? Well, that's a very, very good question, which I I don't have the answer to it, except to say that, uh, unfortunately, at this point, it is Iran's call where um, the entire issue, how things are going to uh, uh, to be pursued. And if I would say if Iran will continue to play a very intransigent uh, game, then I believe it will be much easier for the United States and Israel to bring on board the, the European uh, three in terms of the, the sanctions and maybe other measures and maybe even Russia. China is a wild card because um, I believe that uh, they have uh, other uh, interests uh, in mind and uh, the economic one, of course, their uh, global uh, uh, ambition with the uh, road and uh, belt uh, um, projects and the, the backing that they have given the Iranians uh, morally uh, politically and financially with the $400 billion uh, deals for the next 25 years is something that may um, encourage the Iranians to really back on this uh, support from, uh, from and try to really uh, defy the entire world. So I would say that this may be a gross miscalculation by Iran. So uh, to sum it up, I would say if Iran is, will continue to play its game as it is now, which is either to uh, be in a capacity to break through uh, quickly enough to nuclear capabilities or becoming a threshold um, nuclear country, as uh, Uzi Arad mentioned. I think this would um, give the political weapons to the United States and to Israel to uh, shore up uh, very, very uh, strict um, sanctions on Iran which we have not seen really all of them um, uh, implemented yet. There's still in the arsenal few more things that can be imposed on Iran, which uh, may have them reconsider and maybe go back to the talks in, uh, in Vienna. And uh, of course, going back to the JCPOA on Iranian's term, I think would be unacceptable because they have made such a progress since, um, uh, you know, in the last uh, three years. 
So in order to bring back the, so to speak, the horses into the barn, uh, they will have to uh, ship all the excess uranium, whether to Russia or anything else, and um, dismantle the, uh, um, you know, all the centrifuges, few more things. And if that doesn't happen, then of course we will have, we will be again uh, hanging on the horn of the dilemma. But I think that there is some recourse that still uh, Iran can be threatened, and that would uh, mean the entire international community minus China. Uh, Jonathan, just a short intervention. We are mm -hmm. shortly going to lose someone Uzi Arad knows very well, and that is Angela Merkel. And when one talks about Germany, Germany minus Merkel and with a rookie leader will not be the same. Well, uh, time will tell, of course, but with that, uh, I'd like to ask Dr. Arad about uh, something specific. Israel, of course, is uh, uh, very vocal about the fact, uh, as also Mr. Oren has stated uh, at the beginning of the program, that the Iranian nuclear quest is not an Israeli problem. It is a global problem, a regional problem, and only then is it an Israeli problem, something that uh, is uh, vocally stated also by Israeli Defense Minister uh, Benny Gantz, by the incumbent Prime Minister also uh, Naftali Bennett, and it's uh, not a new statement, of course. The question is, do those global powers realize that this is a global problem or is this something that they're treating as a regional issue that needs to be solved as part of a uh, global equation? Well, I think uh, when Mr. Dennis says that the global problem, he expressed a wish to see greater uh, international support uh, for a position that would place pressure on Iran to come to a compromise and to a new agreement. So this is a, a desire on the part of, uh, of uh, Mr. Bennett, and it is uh, not a suggestion that uh, the problem is uh, the same for the world as it is for Israel. Uh, now, I agree with what had been said by Ambassador Ayalon about the dynamics operating on the part of the uh, Europeans and so forth. And we'll have to see uh, what will happen. I think there would be kind of a minuet going underway in which uh, they would seek a new equilibrium. And the new equilibrium would not be a return to the discarded or to the old agreement because it's been said it has been invalidated. It would call for uh, agreeing to accept some of the progress made by the Iranians, but to accept certain limitations and place certain uh, freezes on some of their activities, so as to keep them within a decent interval from a position of really possessing operational weapons. And uh, around that kind of an equilibrium, possibly all will dance. That is to say, the Europeans would be willing to lend some pressure economic to the American pressure, the economic one, that this would be agreed on, because they do not want to see uh, a failure of that, which may lead to military activities, which would not be in their interest. Although they are not really terrified 
of the possibility that Iran would come to be in a nuclear, a threshold nuclear state, nor even of the possibility that it will become nuclear. Uh, for them, this is not a nightmare scenario that they would have to do everything they can to prevent. Uh, such sentiments even exist in America. You could hear from certain American officials here and there saying, well, if they were to have nuclear weapons, other countries have weapons, Pakistan has weapons. It is not the calamity that it is portrayed. So uh, here it is, it is this lack of determination to employ all means so as to prevent with certainty uh, uh, Iranian acquisition of weapons. This is lacking that is turning the entire exercise as a very, very uh, unstable one. And we have again to wait and see. The American declaration that uh, there would be no weapons, nuclear weapons, um, is a modification of a previous statement by President Biden, in which he said it would not happen on his term. Well, that was a soft spot, so he corrected for that. But he does not get to the other conclusion that he would employ all means to prevent that if they came close to it, as that, that was said already. And I notice a certain softness there on this point. So we don't really know, but for the time being, in all likelihood, um, unless the Iranians surprise us by actually saying all is done and by now we are pursuing and uh, there are no further negotiations and so forth and so on, um, there would be an effort to use pressure, to use persuasion, to make concessions to the Iranians, more and more concessions, so as to come to some kind of an agreement which may really crown them with being a threshold nuclear state, they would freeze at that point. It will look as if the progress had been arrested, but in truth, the very proximity of that point to the real acquisition of weapons is so close that it would be a very tense condition. And at each point in the future, there would be fear that there would be a dash and a breakout, and that fear would be destabilizing by itself. Indeed. Well, uh, of course, tomorrow night is going to be the broadcast of TV7's Watchmen Talk with you, Amir. You had a, a quite interesting conversation, two excerpts of which uh, were discussing also the Iranian question and the Pakistani question with our uh, regard to nuclear weapons with former Prime Minister Ehud Barak. Uh, so, uh, uh, with that being said, we have run out of time, so unfortunately uh, we'll have to have this conversation for another evening of uh, uh, Jerusalem Studio. But uh, with that, thank you very much, Dr. Arad, Ambassador Ayalon, for being part of today's panel. I'd like also to thank Mr. Amir Oren and to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.